Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Right? We've all heard that, right? You say something to somebody, or, or you're saying something, or you hear it, and say, don't take it personal, don't take this personal. Well, I want you to know tonight, to, uh, this message, I want you to take personal. I'm not, I'm not telling you not to take it personal. I want you to take it personal, and I want you to look at the person next to you, and I want you to tell them it's personal. Okay? It's personal. It's personal. There it is up on the screen. It's personal. This is, this is the Holy Spirit put this message in my heart, and I was thinking, man, this would have been a great conference message. Amen. I don't know why he didn't give it to me at conference, but it, was, it would have been a great conference message. Amen. It's for us. And, and it's a great follow-up to conference, as I believe Sunday, Sunday morning was as well. Just in case anybody wasn't here, another really exciting thing that happened Sunday morning is I gave a challenge to our church of who, as couples, who would be willing to go. We started a church, and again, if some, I believe there's some people here that weren't here Sunday. Uh, Jesse and Julie, if you'd stand up real quick. We are planting them into Grapevine, Texas to start another church. Amen. And they were already over there on Monday driving around, which I love to hear. Amen. They're already out there looking. Uh, so we, I said, how many in this place would be willing? You're a man and you have a wife. You're a couple. As a couple, you'd be willing to go and plant a church if the Lord uh, gave you the opportunity, if that opened up. And 16 couples came forward from our church. That's 16 possible churches. Amen. That we can, that we can start out of this church. So, so the vision of Reach, Teach, Sin is alive. But I, I can say this with all honesty tonight, all honesty, and not just to say it. I, I believe this might be one of the most important messages I've ever preached. I mean that. This might be one of the most important messages I've ever preached. And I believe that if everybody receives it, it, will, it, will, it may bring the most fruit of anything we've ever heard. Um, because this is, this is really the, the guts this is really the, 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 the foundation of who we are and what we're doing and why we do it and the, the mentality behind what we're doing in the gospel, okay? Not just what we're doing as a fellowship, but what we're doing as believers because we said Sunday, what we're doing is biblical. How many agree with that? It's biblical what we're doing. We're not, we're not reinventing the wheel or making this up. We are following God's plan of reaching people, then teaching them the word, and then sending them out to, to, to pass the gospel on to others. So I want to go back again to Acts 26, where we ended up Sunday. This is kind of a follow-up message. And I want to make sure, unless, unless our leaders or anybody in the church is, is doing something, let's make sure we're all in here. I don't want anybody to miss this. I know we have the podcast, but there's nothing like getting it live. Amen? So we're going to pick up in Acts 26, and I'm going to choose a few verses and this is kind of piggybacking off of Sunday, but then I want to show you some things that are really important. So just quick, quick background, Saul became Paul, and he did that by being converted to Christ. He had a conversion experience, and he was, as I told you, way different than we were. We're, Before we got saved, or if you're in here tonight and you're not saved, you don't know the Lord, we, most of us, 99% of us, just are running from God or just don't want to believe in God or just don't want to give our lives to God. Saul was against Jesus. Like he was, he took it to, he was against Jesus. He was, he was killing Christians, taking Christians to jail, 
So this is, this is I've always said this, this would be like in our, in our day and age, you know, Osama bin Laden getting saved. Like, like a terrorist. He was a terrorist. And he got, this would be like, I know he's dead, but if he would have got saved, it would have been that radical of a conversion. And so that's what Saul was. And now he's telling his testimony to King Agrippa, okay? And so he's, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want you to know where we're going. So he, he's telling his testimony. And when he's reading this, this is what Jesus told him after he fell off his horse and had an encounter. He says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, and this is key, to whom I now send you. Okay, look at the person next to you and say you. Point at them and say you. Okay, it's personal. It's personal. Next verse. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness. And I want to take just a second on this because this is super important. This is, this is something we've got to understand. What we have to do... What our call is, is not hard in the sense of understanding it. The gospel is very simple. And, and if we would just get this understanding that, that this is what God wants us to do, we would be more effective. Okay, we would be more effective that I personally, now as a church we have a call, and as a body we're working together, and there's, there's more that we can do together than we can do by ourselves. I don't want us to lose, as I go through this message, the understanding that we are working together as a body but it's still personal. Because the body does not exist, the body does not function if every part of the body does not do its part. So it's personal. Cannot have a, a fellowship or a church that's doing great things and seeing the lost saved if each person does not take God's call seriously and personal. Okay? So this is what we've got to do. We've got to open up the eyes of those who are, need to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they would receive the forgiveness of sins as an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So we're turning people from darkness to light, from power of Satan to, to, to God, and we're, we're pre preaching to them that they can have forgiveness of sins. Doesn't that simplify it? Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to help people come out of the darkness. I'm supposed to, people, to help people turn from the devil's hands into God's hands. And I'm supposed to help people understand personally that there is forgiveness of their sins. God, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? Uh, and, and it's kind of interesting because this is added to the message I preached at conference on the will of God. But there's a totally different angle that the Lord's giving me. Like understanding the, the daily, because I talked more about the big things, but the daily is that. That's my call. That's your call. It's personal that I would tell people that they can come out of darkness into light. That I would tell people they can come out of the hands of the enemy and come into God's hands. That I would tell people that their, their sins can be forgiven. Amen. And so let's go to the next verse, 19 and 20. And he says, therefore... King Agrippa, and I had everybody take a picture of this. If you weren't here Sunday, take a picture of this screen right now. Take a picture of that verse. Keep it in your phone. Put it somewhere where you can remind yourself because this is, what, this is why it's personal. He did not say we. He did not say they. He said I. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Amen. I, say that with me, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Amen. 
I, let's say it again, I, that's personal, was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. This is key. I'm going to say it again. He didn't say, we as a church were not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He didn't say, we as Christians. He didn't say, they. He said, I. Saul says, being Paul, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Okay, so it's personal. Verse 20. But declared first to those in Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance, which that is exactly the same thing he's saying in verse 17. Okay? So it's personal. Father, I ask you tonight to anoint this. Get it from my mouth to my heart to their ears, Father. Uh, let it bring forth fruit, Father. Let there be no distractions. Let us not be thinking about other things, but let us be focused on your word tonight, Father. We pray for fruit, continued fruit, Father. We're not satisfied with what we've seen. We want more, Father. We want God to do great and mighty things in us and through us. And, Lord, we thank you for your spirit being here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. How many are with me so far? It's personal, okay? You are going to have as much fruit in your life as you understand what I just said. You're going to have as much fruit in your life as you understand what I just said. It is personal. Amen? Let's make sure, Pastor Andrews, that no one's out walking around or anywhere. Let's get everybody in here. Amen? It's personal. Okay? We have to understand that. If you will take that personal, not, no, don't take this personal. If you will take it personal and you will understand that you have got to do what God is calling you to do, it will drive you. It will cause you to go forward. It will cause you to do great things. It will cause you, it will cause you to uh, make sure that you're not worried about what somebody else is doing, but you're worried about what you're doing. Okay? So here's the problem as I get into this. A lot of times, especially in the ministry... We do things. I'm, let's keep it real. Let's be honest. We do things because we want people to see us do it. Can I be real with you for a second? Be honest. If, if my, and I'm just going to use generic examples. If my attitude is when I come to church and if I'm, a, and listen, I'm talking as if we're all ministers here because I said we are, right? We're all ministers. If I'm, if I'm coming to the prayer room and I'm looking to see if everybody's watching me walk in, I'm coming into the prayer room for the wrong reason. If I'm staying there, if I just show up and leave, stay with me here. If I just show up and get, and get on the chair for a couple minutes and say I went, did I really do something? Did I really do something? Or did I just show up? Same thing with outreach. Same thing with if, if I just give something in my tithes. If I, if, I, if, I, if I just do the little things just to do them, am I really doing them? Who am I doing them for? I don't have this verse tonight, but it's in Colossians 3.23. It says, everything we do should be done as unto the Lord. But too many times we do things unto other people. We do things to, to be seen by other people. We do things to, we, we, we pray with one eye open. And then once they look at us, that's what we do sometimes. Or if we're on an outreach and, and, we're, and, and, we're, and we're, we're, we're there physically, but we're not really there spiritually or mentally, then, then once someone looks at us, then we'll put that track, you know. 
But I'm saying this to say, what drives us? What really causes us to do what we do? Are we doing it because we know we're supposed to do it? And that's, that's a good part. That's, a, that's, a, that's an okay part. But are, are we doing it because we really believe what we're doing? Like why we're doing what we do, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, My brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, Okay, let me say this again. Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And look what it says. Knowing, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He did not say knowing that what you do for others to see you is not in vain. He said know what you do for the Lord is not in vain. For the who? For the Lord. I'm doing what I do for the Lord. You should be doing what you do for the Lord. Write this down if you're taking notes. If I'm going to do something great for God, I need to be self-motivated. Self-motivated. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not, but are you, don't raise your hands. I'm not asking that. Are you self-motivated? You've got to ask yourself that question. A lot of people are not self-motivated. They have to have somebody push them. They have to have somebody encourage them. They have to have, sometimes they have to have a struggle or a trial to get them to do right. And, and, and sometimes God uses those things. And, and that's kind of what our job is, is. My job is as the pastors to push you and other leaders just to push you to do. But the bottom line is, Saul didn't have anybody pushing him right there. He had an encounter with God, and God said, I want you to do this. And he said, out of his own leading of the Holy Spirit, I was not disobedient. And he's testifying in front of court. Right? He's telling this story, and he's looking back. And this is what I want to be able to say, and this is what I want you to be able to say when you stand before God. Let me give you a few verses, and this will maybe help, maybe make this even more understandable. Okay, let me give you a, just a, a couple areas of Scripture. Let's look at Romans chapter 14, 7 to 12. Okay, I'm going to read two sections of Scripture here and then kind of elaborate on this a little bit more. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, and we live to our friends and our family and those around us that are watching us. Who do we live for? For the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Right? Now this may, come on, Pastor, this is simple. Is it? It is simple, but do we get it? God, God weighs the intentions of our hearts. Why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? What we don't want to be tonight is a church of a, of a bunch of Christians who are doing things because they know they're supposed to, not because they want to. Because it's not done with the right heart. Every time you look at the things in the scripture that God asks us to do, what is he always talking if he wants us to do it with the right heart? Right? So I've got to become self-motivational in my walk with the Lord. Too many people don't do great things for God because they allow other people to dictate what they do for God in the sense of what I'm saying. 
that if I don't have somebody cheering me on, if I don't have other people with me, if I don't have people watching me, if I don't have people prodding me, if I don't have people encouraging me, if I don't have people rebuking me, if I don't have people doing all these things, I'll just sit there and watch. That's not what God is looking for. Jesus did not do that. Jesus was not looking for the approval of man. He was looking for the approval of his Father. Okay? So for to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Stay with me. Watch this. Here's what gets really good. Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? In other words, why am I looking and worrying and, and I'm saying this in the right way, right? Not that we can't encourage each other. Not that we can't say, hey, let's run together. I'm not saying that. But, but many times, just be honest, are we basing what we do for the Lord off what someone else is doing? Are we waiting for somebody else to call outreach? Are we waiting for somebody else to do it? Are we waiting for somebody else to step up? That's not the right attitude, okay? And this is going to sober us and encourage us and challenge us and comfort us all at once when he says these next words. So he says, why are you worried about your brother? For we shall all stand, there it is, we, okay, before the what? Judgment seat of Christ. Who's, who's going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? All of us. And if anybody's new in here in the Lord and you don't know this, this judgment seat of Christ is for believers. There's two judgments. One is for unbelievers and one is for believers. I believe I'm talking to believers tonight. I believe I'm talking to born-again Christians. I believe I'm talking to disciples tonight. So this is ours. There's a different judgment for those who, who are not going, do not know the Lord or when they stand before him will not know the Lord. And that's a whole different story. That's who we're after. We're after those people so they don't go to that judgment. But we'll do better at keeping those people from the judgment if we'll get this part right. Where he says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now watch these next two verses. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Then, all of us together shall give an account as a group, as a whole, based on, a, on, a, on an average. Is that how it is? That, that wouldn't be a bad idea. If you're in school, you're not doing too well in the class, you, can, you got someone smart in there, you got some smart people, you can kind of take off. And teacher says we're going to grade you on an average. I used to love when they would do that. Thank you, Lord, because I know there's some people in that class, and I won't say what I used to call them back then, but there's some people in that class that were really smart, amen, and they, they, all they cared about was school, and I, they could help average me out. It's not going to happen in God. We're not going to be able to, to depend on the stronger people in the Lord to give us an average so we can pass. It says, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Now tell the person next to you, this is why it's personal. This is why it's personal. Right? Sobering. 
should get us like we just drank some coffee. Woo. Whoa. Every one of us is going to have to give an account. So that should be motivation, self-motivation, because if I'm basing what I do for the Lord off what you do for the Lord, I'm fooling myself. Because I'm not going to give an account to God for what you do for the Lord. I'm going to give an account to God for what I do for the Lord alone. Alone. And, and my job and, and call as your pastor is to lead you and, as I sent out this morning, be a person that you can imitate. So that as I follow Christ, you follow me. But I, I got to be thinking, man, somebody's watching me all the time. If you're aspiring to be a pastor or you're or thinking about being a leader or you, or you want to serve God in some way, you got to realize there's always somebody watching you. Always. Someone's always, 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 always looking at you. Me and Jimmy were actually talking about that today. It, where maybe someone like Billy Graham would have lots and lots and lots and lots of people looking at him. He's on TV. He's, he's, he was an amazing man of God. And, but all of us, if we don't have what we think is any influence, have people watching us. I remember at conference, I was given this example. I, I was headed to the prayer room. I, I might have been the night I was preaching. And, and everybody that knows me knows that when I preach, when I'm preaching, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always real serious, cause, and not because I'm mean, because I'm focused on what I got to say. That's why a lot of times I don't come out here before I, I go to the prayer room and I go straight back as best I can to my office so I can just be focused. So I think I was preaching that night, but I'm not sure. But I was headed to the prayer room, and I heard somebody yell, Pastor Blake. And so I turned around, and I looked back, and it's a person I didn't know that was with somebody else I didn't know. And I also needed to go to the bathroom. I remember that now. Number one, right? Now number two. And I, because I had drank coffee. So I'm like, I'll be right back. And, and I looked back and, I, and I, I said, I'll be right back. And at that moment, my thought was, I'll go to the bathroom. I'll go to the prayer room. I don't want to talk to them right now. That was my flesh. That's what I thought. And I said, I'll be right back like that. So I left and I went to the bathroom. I came out. I was going to go to the prayer room. And the Holy Spirit said, go back and talk to them. Because they're watching me. And if I don't go back and talk to them, they'll go back and talk about me. So all I wanted to do was you to meet my friend. I just wanted to. So I went back and made sure I shook their hands. I said hi to them. I took the time to say hi to them because they might look up to me. They might be watching my life. I've got to remember. I've got to be self-motivated. I can't worry about what I want or what other people think. I've got to think, what does God want? What does God want me to do? How many understand what I'm saying? We've got to go beyond ourselves. Okay, beyond ourselves, and understand this isn't about me, it's about God, but then God puts it back on me, and he says, this is personal. I'm expecting every single one of you to do something with the talents that I've given you, and how many know he didn't give us all the same talents? Too many times we're basing what we do on the Lord, or for the Lord, based off of other people's talents, we don't even have the same talents. Some in this place might have one. As the parable says, some might have two. Some might have five. And if I, let's say I have two, and I'm basing it off the person that has one, I'm going to fail. Because God didn't give that person two. He gave me two. God didn't give the other person five. He gave you five. So we're not going to stand before God and say, hey, God, what about so-and-so over there? They didn't, they didn't go down and outreach. They didn't pray. They didn't read their Bible a lot. 
going to be a spotlight on us. Now look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 9 and 10. Therefore, we make it our aim. Our aim. We have, a, we have to have an aim. We have to have a vision. We have to have a goal. Whether present or absent, to be well, leave it there for a second, to be well pleasing to him. I have always, listen, I'm not saying I'm perfect on this stuff, but I understand the concept. But I've always told my kids and my wife, and I've told the church as long as I've preached, I can't base my walk off of my daughter's or my wife's walk. Too many people are, are missing out on what God wants to do in their life because they're waiting for their spouse or they're waiting for their kids or they're waiting for somebody else. I, I have to stand before God for myself. Now, here's the, here's the, I guess you could call it sad or very sobering news as a man. Women had to have babies, which we couldn't do. And men have to have the responsibility for the house, which is not the women's. Right? He gave, us some, he gave us both things we didn't ask for. Right? And, and so a man, as a man, not only do I have to give an account for myself, I also have to give an account for my family, my wife and my daughters. So God put more on me as a man. And I didn't ask for it, just like women didn't ask to be the ones to, to bear children. But that's how it happened. And the women have done a good job of that, amen, because the population would be a lot less, as I always say, if men had babies, amen. How many are still with me? This is personal. It's personal. If I get to that place where I realize that God's going to do some amazing things in my life, let's read this next verse, okay? So therefore, we may, go back one time. Let's read the one. Sorry, Chris. Therefore, we make it our aim. Now, this is important, too. I'm going to hit this one more time because I didn't want to pass this over. It says, whether present or absent. Whether present or absent. We, we need to do things again for the Lord, not for who's there. I, this is another thing I learned over the years. I learned. I have to learn these things. Things I'm t- telling you I've learned. I learned from other people, as I said Sunday, from pastors in my life, preachers in my life, people in my life, that it, when I come to church, I, I can't preach and minister different to this many people as I did to 10 people. Because God will never give you this many people if you don't preach good to 10 people. If you don't show up for 10 people, he's not going to give you more people. Amen? He says if you're faithful and little, he'll give you much. And you learn to preach if there's two or there's 2,000, you learn to preach the same way. You learn to pray the same way. You learn to prepare the same way. There would be times in my life over the years where I'd get texts and a bunch of people weren't going to be there or whatever. I'd start thinking, am I going to change the message? Oh, so-and-so's not going to be there. I need to change. That was for them for sure. I need to change that message, amen. Whatever it is, amen. You're thinking, I can't speak that now. I needed them to be there. I was preaching to them, right? And that's kind of the mentality that you have. And you get to realize, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for the Lord, and I'm doing what God tells me to do. Just like you got to do what God tells you to do. Because it's, it's personal. It's personal. There is a work. There is a, a, a blessing, tremendous blessing, on being together 
And, that's, and, and again, I don't want to undermine that fact, this fellowship and, and a Wednesday night crowd like this. And as we've been saying, we can do more together than we can do by ourselves and all those. It's not to take away from any of that because everything we're doing is, is for the ultimate kingdom of God. Okay? It, and that's great. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is that we are only as strong as our weakest link. Any chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And if in this place we can get the whoever the whoever what is, whatever the weakest link is, if it's me, if we can get that person to become an understanding that I'm going to have to answer to God for myself, I'm going to live different. I'm going to sell out more. I'm going to sacrifice more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do better. Why do you think God put this on us? Why do you think he made it personal? Because it's personal. We, have, we, we don't stand as a family together. As, as beautiful as it is to have your family serving God together, you're not going to be together on judgment day. You're going to be by yourself. Okay, so whether present or absent. So what I'm saying here is we need to be careful. So, for example, if, if what, what's the old saying, if the, if, the mouse, if, the, if the cat's away, the mice will play? Right? Do I have a different attitude? Let's say at your work, for example. Do you have a different attitude at your work when your boss is not there than when your boss is there? I'm, I'm, I Maybe not. I'm just throwing out scenarios. Because I'm talking about church stuff. But, but see, we can't separate either and do different here at church than we do at work. Amen. We should actually be better at both. Not, 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 not one way or the other. Like I've said to you guys a bunch of times, if you're on time to work and you're not on time to church, that's not good. Amen. It's, it, to me, church should be more important. The things of God should be more important. But that doesn't mean you take away from, from uh, that, from what you do at work. Amen? How many are still here? Yeah. Now watch this. Let's go on and finish here. So we must all, there it is, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So we see that we're all going to have to do it, but we're not doing it together. It says, so that each one may receive the things done in the body. According to what he has done, look at this, whether good or bad. Now here's what's interesting. We know that when it says good or bad here, this is not sin. This is not sin. We are not going to be held accountable for our sins there because the sins are under the blood of Jesus. But we are going to be accountable for the things we obeyed on and disobeyed on in the Lord and for the Lord. That's why Saul said, being Paul, he said, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. How many have made some mistakes along the way? I'll raise both my hands and both my feet. We make mistakes. We make mistakes. But how many want to be able to finish at the end, stand before God by yourself personally, and have fixed those mistakes have made those wrongs right, have learned from those things, amen, have changed some things, gotten things right, gotten things better, 
and, and, and adjusted your spirit, adjusted your attitude to be able to say on that day and hear on that day, enter in good and faithful servant. I want every single one of us to hear those words. So when we're hard on you or we push you or we expect things from you, I want you, this is what I want to say more. If you haven't gotten anything else, get this. I'm not doing that because you're going to get me something. Do you realize that? You're not, I'm not going to get anything because you did. You're going to personally be rewarded for that stuff. But I'm doing what I have to do for my life so that I can make the greatest impact. But tied together to what I do for my life to make the greatest impact is other people. And if I get other people and you get other people around you to do what you're supposed to do, then we all win. We all win in the end. Okay? So as the Holy Spirit leads you, as we close that, as the Holy Spirit leads you, as we leave out of this place tonight, don't be that person that that has somebody else on your mind. I hope so-and-so got that message. Right? That's the worst thing we can do is walk out of a church service and say, man, I hope my daughter got that. I hope my son got that. I hope my spouse got that. I hope so-and-so got that. That's why our attitude needs to be, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me tonight. I need to hear your voice. You're speaking to me. When I go to conference, every message is for me. Every single message is for me. I learned that through discipleship. Every message speaks to me. Every message is because I need it. You could be doing the greatest walk you've ever done in your life for the Lord, and you still need to grow. We'll never arrive, we'll never make it totally until we get to heaven, amen? But the good thing is, put Hebrews 6.10 up there if you would. I want to close with this verse. Here's the good thing. This is awesome. And a matter of fact, I was given a plaque with this verse that's in my office. It's a beautiful verse. It says, God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards the other people in your lives. What is it? Towards his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. It's a beautiful verse. He's not going to forget. That means every sacrifice you make, every time you make the right decision, a lot of you hear me tell you, especially new converts, follow up a good decision with another good decision. And then follow that one up with another good decision. And just keep making good decisions. Just keep doing the right thing. Just keep doing the right thing. Just keep do- and if you make a mistake and do the wrong thing, then follow that mistake up with the right thing. And get into a pattern of good works. We know we're not saved by our works. But once we're saved, we're thankful, and we get into a pattern of good works, a pattern of doing the right thing. And why? Why ultimately why? Because God is going to ask us for an account. Period. We're going to have to answer. I've always said we're not going to be as disappointed when we get to heaven for what we didn't do. Okay? You'll think, man, think of some of the things I didn't do God told me to do. That's kind of an angle we take. Man, I didn't do this, and I didn't do that, and I didn't. But we'll be most disappointed, I believe, for what we could have done. We could have done if we would have just sacrificed. If we would have just thought more about what what am I supposed to do and not what is other people doing. 
What kind of revival would we see in this place if all of us would begin to worry about our own walk and what we're supposed to do for God as if I'm the weakest link, as if I'm the only one that's going to do it, and the attitude, if no one else does it, I'm going to do it. What if we're fighting over who's going to do what? What could God do? He can do great things. Father, tonight I ask and pray that what was in my heart and in my spirit got out, that you gave me out to them. Pray for fruit from it. Individually, every single one of us, God, realizing every day, every day, every day, every night, every week, everything I do is for you. Everything I do. Lord, we're part of a fellowship. We're part of a church that's, that's in, in my opinion, great and awesome and powerful. But, Lord, I'm not doing it for this church. I'm doing it for you. Nobody in this place should be doing things for me. They should be doing it for you. Yes, there's authority in our lives. Yes, you put someone in our lives and we, we're obedient to that and we're submissive to that and, and we allow God for you to speak into our lives through people. But the bottom line is I'm not doing it for anybody but you. But as I do those things, I do them unto the Lord. But I do them through people. You put people in my life to speak to me, to challenge me, to expect more of me. But the bottom line is, church, at the end of the day, I have to answer for me. And you have to answer for you. It's personal. Amen. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this place, I, I thank God for what's going to come out of this service, for what's going to come out of this message, for what's going to come out of this altar call. I thank God tonight for the, for the seriousness in our spirit to understand that I'm not going to have anybody else holding my hand on judgment day. I'm not going to be able to call somebody else in and blame on anybody or be excused by anybody. It's simply going to be, what did I do for you? What did I do with the talents you gave me? It's personal. And tonight we're not preaching this in condemnation. We're preaching it in a way that all of us would grab this and say, Lord, you're speaking to me. What, what am I supposed to do? for you Lord what am I supposed to do so that at the end of my days as Paul did because he was right near the end where he was going to give his life for you and die a martyr's death right before he did that he's saying these words I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision God that is my prayer that is my desire tonight I cannot speak for anybody else but me just like nobody else can speak for anybody else in this place. We must answer individually because it's personal. How many in this place tonight as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this congregation could say tonight, Pastor, I'm not saved. I've never been born again. I, I believe in God. I, I believe there is a God, but I don't know Him. Tonight you've spoken to me and I realize that I'm going to have to answer to a living God for my life. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, that, that should be scary. That should be scary if you don't know Jesus. Because Jesus is your advocate, the Bible says. That's another word for lawyer. He's the one that's going to stand in for you and say, God, I took their punishment. I took their sentence. 
If you don't know him tonight, if you have not accepted him tonight, if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight, who says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, nobody goes unto the Father except through me. If you've not said those words, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. The Bible says you are not saved tonight. And the Bible tells us that we are, we are going to face eternity without God. How many in this place tonight could be honest with God and say, Pastor, I've never said that prayer. Right now, I want Jesus Christ to come into my life. Would you just lift your hand up and put it right back down all over this place, all over. That's me. You're talking to me. I don't know him. I don't know him. Maybe you're here, and at some point in your life, you said that prayer. You put your faith in Jesus. But you know tonight, in the month of October of 2019, you're not living for the Lord. You've ran away from what you know you're supposed to do. You've been walking in disobedience. You've let those, those sin things back in your life. You've let uh, chains back on your life. And tonight you want to get back right with God. How many could say, that's me? Just lift your hand up all over this place. That's me. I need reconciliation tonight with the Lord. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? That's me. I need to make it right tonight. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. As you stand tonight, we're going to begin to sing a song. We're going to open up this altar. Listen, this altar is a place of decision. It's a place where we can take what we just heard and we can say, Lord, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm going to make sure I do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to make sure I'm a man or a woman of prayer. I'm going to make sure I'm a man or a woman of the word. I'm going to make sure I'm a man or a woman of my, word, of my word, of integrity, of time, of punctuality, of character, of integrity. Am I talking to anybody in here tonight that wants your life to be that way? Integrity, character, timeliness, people of our word, people that people can follow, people that people look up to. Amen. As we open up these altars, if you don't want those words to be in your, if you want those words to be in your mouth someday, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Just find a place tonight to speak to God. Find a place tonight to spend in just a few minutes of prayer with God. And take it personal tonight. Take it personal tonight as we sing. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.